Mark records these words in chapter 16 of his gospel. Very early on the first day of the week at dawn, the women came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. And now picture the scene. It's very early and it, it's dark. And, and try to imagine the emotions that these, these ladies were feeling. It was dark. Uh, they were broken. Uh, they were filled with, with sorrow and loss. I mean, these ladies had been there, right? All, all the guys took off. But these ladies had, had been there at the cross. And the task they were about to do was, was not a pleasant one to prepare Jesus' body with, with spices. And I'm sure there, there wasn't a lot of talking going on as they walked up the path to the tomb. And, and maybe they were wondering, I hope you've been working out because I think that stone's pretty big. Uh, but we read next, they found the stone was rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, two men in shining clothes suddenly stood beside them, and the women were very afraid. And they bowed their heads to the ground. The men said to them, Why are you looking for a living person in this place for the dead? He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Do you remember what he told you in Galilee? He said that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful people, be crucified and rise from the dead on the third day. Then the women remembered what Jesus had said. The women left the tomb and told all these things to the eleven apostles and the other followers. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and some other women who told the apostles everything that had happened at the tomb. And they had to be pretty excited, right? We went there. He wasn't there. It's empty. He's alive. These two you angels came and they said he's not here. Jesus is alive. Just like he said he was. It is such a great day. But they did not believe the women. Because it sounded like nonsense. And a lot about Jesus does sound like nonsense, right? God, <laughs> creator of everything, putting on flesh and coming to this earth as a baby, right? God dying for people like you and I. A lot of what Jesus said does not make sense, right? It's nonsense to turn the other cheek, to, to go the second mile. So they didn't believe the women. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending down and looking in, he saw only the cloth that Jesus' body had been wrapped in. And Peter went away to his home, wondering about what had happened. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to reflect upon um, the greatest day in human history, and when your son burst forth from the dead, opening the door, tearing down the veil, and allowing us to come back home to you, to come back home to your family, to come back home to being your sons and your daughters. And I pray, God, that you would just speak to us and that our hearts would be open. God, give us ears to hear and give us eyes to see and hearts to respond to you this morning. And God, enable me in some way to tell this story, uh, God, I'm honored and privileged to stand up here for you this morning. Um, God, forgive me for my sins, for there are many. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, they were looking for Jesus who was crucified. Now, the crucifixion, that, 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 was, that, was, that was Friday. But listen, from the very moment that the Roman soldier pounded the first nail into the flesh of God, Sunday was coming. And on Sunday morning, the earth began to shake and the stone was rolled away as Jesus, with great power, burst forth from the grave. Maple Grove, the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. He's alive. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, would you all stand up? All right.
If you're visiting, glad you guys are here, and I like to have fun, and I like to have audience participation, right? And, and uh, what we're going to do seven times, right? And help me keep count. I almost lost count last service, right? You know, I got past one hand. It gets difficult for me, right? But we're just, on the count of three, we're going to shout seven times as loud as we can, right? And let's see if we can get loud the very first time. He's alive. And as you say that, let that truth reverberate in your heart and your mind. You guys, re- we ready? Ready to go? Ready to do this? Okay. One, two, three. He's alive! 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 That was seven. Good job. Woo! It's true. He is alive. You can be seated or stand up. That's good too. If I have to stand, why should you get to sit? Right? Okay. He is alive and the enemy has been defeated. Death has lost its sting. Mercy has been unleashed. Hope is being renewed. Captives are being set free. The broken are being made whole. And darkness has been beaten back once and for all time because his perfect love, God so loved the world, would not and could not be overcome. Why are you looking for the living in this place of the dead? It's not here. He's risen from the dead. And understand, Jesus said that this, that what happened on that Easter weekend the betrayal, the arrest, the denials, the crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection were going to happen. Uh, when he rode in Jerusalem, when he went to the temple, when he began his, his ministry, or right after overturning the tables and driving out the money changers, he said, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. And he said in Matthew 12, verse 40, to some religious leaders who were all bent out of shape because he, he cast out a demon, he said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he said to his guys, as they prepared to go to Jerusalem for the last time, in Matthew chapter 16, he said, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and the third day be raised again. Now understand, from the beginning of his ministry to the end of his ministry, Jesus said that he would suffer, that he would die, and he would rise again. And he also said that, that his resurrection was to be undeniable proof that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. The Savior King, the bread of life, the light of the world, the great I am, the way, the truth, and the life. Check out these words that Paul penned to the church in Rome in Romans 1 verse 4. He was declared to be God's son with great power by rising from the dead. I understand the resurrection of Jesus is meant to remove any doubt whatsoever as to who Jesus is. In Maple Grove, it's Easter 2017, and I declare to you based upon the authority of the word of God and the testimony of human history that the Jesus that we love, follow, serve, sing to, and worship that the Jesus we've gathered in this place to honor today is, is not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a really, really, really nice guy, but that Jesus, he's God. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator of all that we see. He is before all things. He's over all things. And he holds all things together like the earth in this orbit right now. I'm kind of glad he's doing that, aren't you? Right? And billions and billions of galaxies. And listen, if he can hold all things together, 
then he can hold your life together. And not only can Jesus hold your life together, but Jesus can give you the life that you've always dreamed of living. That's what he was talking about in John chapter 10. When he said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full, abundant, satisfying, and overflowing. Yes, Jesus came and he did what he did so that he could radically change our lives for the better, for, for the best. Now, I, I, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Um, I watched it with a bunch of people this past Friday night in, in this very room, and it's a, it's a powerful movie, and every time I need to be reminded, even though it's just a glimpse of what Jesus went through, of the beating and the pain that he endured so I could come back home to God, right? And, and uh, so many powerful scenes. But the scene to me that is the most powerful is the scene when, when Jesus is walking through the streets of Jerusalem carrying the cross and, and Mary, his mom, is, is kind of tracking through the alley seeing where Jesus is. And, and there's a point where Jesus falls down under the, under the weight of the cross and, and Mary sees this and she begins to run towards him. And as she's running towards him, her mind has a flashback to when Jesus was a toddler and he falls down and she sees him fall and she runs to her little toddler and she runs to him and she picks him up in her arms and says, I'm here. Well, finally, Mary runs and gets to Jesus as he is on his knees underneath the cross and she says, Jesus, I'm here. And then Jesus looks her in the eye and says, Mother, I am making all things new. I don't know if that happened. It could have. But here's what I do know. I know without any doubt whatsoever that as Jesus carried his cross, that he knew that his death and his burial and his resurrection would indeed change everything and make all things new. And listen, that was the very message that rang out from the church as it exploded from the book of Acts and through the pages of history. In Acts chapter 5, when the angels take the apostles out of prison, they, they tell them, go stand to the temple courts and tell the people the, the full message of this new life. This new life. And Paul said the following in Romans chapter 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And we're therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Question. Could you use some new in your life right now? And why do we want new or need new? Because what we currently have has gotten old, worn out, busted or broken. Okay, so... What's the one thing in your life right now that if you could get a new one, you would get it? I don't know, maybe it's a new cell phone, a, a new dishwasher, a new car, a, a new laptop, a, a new house, right? I, 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 uh, seriously, I want you to think about what's the one thing that's new that if you could get it, you would. Get that in your mind, all right? And then on a count of three, all right? I mean, first service was so sorry. We had to do this like for 10 minutes, right? Okay, and, you know, something new. I want a new car, right? You know, I want a new pair of shoes. I don't know, right? Whatever, new, new. And you shout it out on the count of three, right? 
That means like out loud where we can hear each other, right? Are you ready? One, two, three. No way. I heard someone say new pastor from over here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, it was in that section right there. That's just not, that's, it's Easter, man. Seriously. You, you know, my guess is that if we were being honest, we might say something other than what we just shouted out loud. I mean, maybe we would say, I, I want a new relationship, new marriage, new job. Maybe you'd say, I, I want a new purpose. Or maybe I, I want a new hope because you're finding yourself pretty discouraged all the time. Maybe you say, I, I want a new passion because you're finding it hard even to be motivated and get out of bed in the morning. Uh, maybe you say, I, I want a new beginning, a new chance. Or maybe you would say, I, I just want a new life. Because the one that I'm living right now, it, it, it's really not working. Yeah, yeah, I put on a good face, but it's just not working for me. And understand, that's what Easter is all about, all right? It's about new. Understand, it's not about Easter bunnies, chocolate-covered rabbits, and peeps. Though I have nothing against them, and to prove my point, I'm going to throw some out here. I love to throw things in church. One Sunday, I had a pitching machine and had wiffle balls, man. And send them out to the church. I nailed a dude right in the head. He, he, he missed it, right? So if I can throw things to church, I will. So to prove I'm not against these things, here comes a sol- solid. Whoa. Whoa. Not those hollow bunnies your mom and dad gave you, right? A solid milk chocolate bunny. Coming over this way. Who's got it? Whoa. All right. We got some sparkly peeps over here. Whoa. Another chocolate bunny over here. Boom. More peeps over here. Boom. More peeps over here. Boom. Okay, here we go. It's a Reese P, a Reese bunny, Reese bunny. Okay, another Reese bunny. All right, we got some more peeps over here. All right, some more peeps over here. Sonia, what's on bed? All right, I'm gonna try to get it to you, Sonia. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's another Reese piece over here. All right. Oh, good job. All right, I got only two more elements left. All right, here's another one over here. A Skittle egg. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amy, I'm going to try to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Not against those things, especially tomorrow under 75% off. <laughs> All right. But, but that's not what Easter's about, right? Uh, Easter is about us bringing God something that is old, broken, busted, and dead. And God giving us back something new and alive. Easter is about us bringing to God something that's old and busted and dead. And God giving us back something that is new and alive. Now one of my favorite passages in the Bible about new is in the Old Testament. It was written to God's people about 700 years before God put on flesh and invaded the planet. And yes, it's okay to eat your snacks now if you want. At a time when it was around a time when things were not going so well for the people in the nation. As a matter of fact, they're old, busted, and broken. And God says, I'm the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the, de- through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and lay there 
never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. The mighty Egyptian empire. And God is so powerful, he can snuff something out just like a wick. Now let's hit the pause button for just a second. You see what God is doing? God is reminding his people of who he is and what he did so that they will believe and trust in him for what he's about to say. Who am I? The great I am, your creator, your king. And what did I do? I I parted the seas. I, I made a way when there was no way, and I delivered you, my people, from an enemy who was about to destroy you. You know who I am. You've seen what I've done. But forget about all that, he says next. Uh, forget about that incredible event in your past. Moses, the plagues, the part of the Red Sea. Why? Because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Understand, God is saying, hey, if you think that was awesome, if you think that was a deliverance, just wait until you see the deliverance that the Messiah is going to bring when he gets here. And make no mistake about it, the Christ is coming. And listen, when it comes, when he comes, the deliverance and redemption he brings and the freedom he brings, you're going to realize that you ain't seen nothing yet, right? B- little BTO, right? You ain't seen nothing yet. Baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet, right? Okay? Didn't work first service, didn't work this service. Uh, if we had a third service, I, I said I'd kick it out, but I didn't, right? All right? I couldn't resist a little classic rock. Because we forget about all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I'm about to do a brand new thing. Could you use a new thing in your life? It's already begun. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Understand, God is saying, when this new deliverance comes, it will be a total, complete, forever deliverance, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And in this deliverance, you will not find yourself wandering around in the desert. Instead, there will be streams in the desert, which means there are no more deserts. I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, it's already begun. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Friends, Jesus came to make all things new. And this morning, Easter 2017, Jesus is offering everyone in this room a new position, a new perspective, and a new power. Have you ever found yourself in a a bad position? Holding a bill you couldn't pay? Getting a doctor's report that you would rather not have? Uh, Working at a place you'd rather not be? Barely hanging on in a relationship you wish you could get out of? Yeah, I remember being kind of a bad, awkward position many, many years ago. I was in a woman's restroom (laughs) in a stall. And, and, And like I didn't know it was a woman's restroom until I saw high heels and heard ladies' voices. And I'm like, how do I get out of here? You know, 20 minutes later, right? I mean, I'm looking underneath, okay, is it clear yet? Do I look like some kind of creeper, right? And, and that, that was a, a bad position. Now, this week I grabbed some images of people who were in a bad position, like this guy right here. This is just not, not a good one. <laughs> That's a bad one, right? I'm holding on, all right? Here's Cam Newton, bad position, right? Come back, little pigskin, please, come back. Here's this next one. No one likes this one, right? Never a good time, right? Never a good time. Here's this guy right here, right? He said, quick, take the picture so I can upload it to Facebook and Instagram and get out of here, 
right? Here's a guy that was always in a bad position, right? Wally Coyote, right? I mean, yeah, we got to tell him, dude, it's not going to work. It never ends well for you, right? And, and sometimes we feel just like that, right? This is bad. And there's nowhere to go from here but downhill. Jesus came to give us a new position. Understand, you, me, all mankind, the person to your right and left really needed this new position because their old position, like Wally Coyotes, it was not so good. Paul describes it this way in Colossians 1, verse 21. You used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you as enemies, and you did evil things. We were far from God. We were God's enemies. Then Paul vividly describes this old position in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. A little further down in the same chapter, he says, you are separate from Christ, excluded, without hope, and without God in this world. Yeah, to say that our old position uh, was not so good is a serious understatement. I mean, dead, excluded, without hope, without and far from God, his enemies and objects of God's wrath. And listen, being an object of God's wrath is not a good position, right? Right? He's a powerful God. Now, that's the bad news. But the good news of Easter is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to make all things new for everybody, right? And to give us a new position. Here's the very next verse when Paul's talking about our bad position. He says, here's our good position. And it's so awesome. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. You, you can't earn it. You can never do enough, right, to deserve it because it is the gift of God, not by works. No one can boast. Then he says, for we are God's, no longer his, an object of his wrath. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's a great summary of this new position, what made it happen. Colossians 1, 22. But his son became a human and died, so God made peace with you, and now he lets you stand in his presence as people are holy, faultless, and innocent. Are you kidding me? That is really good news. Jesus came to give me, to give you a new position, to take what was falling and lost and broken and put it back together and give it new life. And why would he do something like this? One reason, because of his great love for you. I want to show you a video that talks about how God wants to pull our life that's falling and put it back together again. Jesus came to, to give you a new position. He went from enemy to his son or his daughter. What an awesome, what an awesome love he has for you. He also came to give us a, a new perspective. A new way, perspective is a way of regarding situations and facts and judging their relative importance. It's to have the proper or accurate point of view of something. 
And Jesus came to give us a, a new perspective about what we've done, about our past. And, and everyone has one, right? Some distant stuff and some not so distant stuff. And because Jesus makes all things new, he can, he does, he, he should be able and longs to give you and I a new perspective about our past. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has begun, right? A lot of us know it, right? We need to walk in it, right? Not just know it, we need to walk in it. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, the old is gone and the new has begun. I understand, in Christ, your past, your yesterdays, your sins, your failures, and your struggles no longer have to define you and limit you, right? In Christ, your past, your yesterdays, your failures, and your struggles no longer have to define you. They no longer have to limit you. And that is why, like Paul, we can boldly, with great confidence, proclaim, as he did in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. The word means complete or maturity. In other words, Paul say, hey, I'm not there yet. I'm not yet the man that God wants me to be. I still, I'm on the road, but I still got a ways on this journey. But I press on, he says, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past. And Easter enables us to do that, right? Forgetting the past. Listen, there's no future in your past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Uh, Jesus also gives us a, a new perspective about, uh, about who we are. Now there's this awesome encounter in John chapter 1, that, that John the Baptist has with some religionists and these Pharisees. They're questioning him and they say, who are you? Give us an answer. What do you say about yourself? Right? What do you say about yourself? And, and John replied, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. And in other words, John is saying, hey, you know what I say about me? I say about me whatever God says about me. And that is a very healthy way to live. That's a very healthy perspective. Whatever God says about me, that's what I say about me, right? And understand, there are, there's a lot of lies and a lot of noise out there that is always whispering and shouting in our ears trying to tell us who we are. Lies and noise, maybe from a parent, and maybe from a spouse or ex-spouse, maybe from other people, maybe even from yourself, maybe from the evil one, lies that are telling you who you are, that you are not good enough, that you are a failure, that you are never going to make it, that you're not worthy of somebody's love and care. Listen, Jesus came to give you a new perspective about who you are. And see, he intends for who you are in Christ to overwhelm all the noise out there 
that's telling you all these lies that maybe you're even believing now. He wants to overwhelm the noise and the lies about who you are. And listen, in Christ, you are God's masterpiece. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are more than a conqueror. You are loved. You are chosen. You are accepted by the sovereign king of the universe. So if you guys would stand, if you don't mind, loosen up a little bit. All right. I'm tripped over my bag here. Okay, I'm going to, here, here's what you're going to say. You're going to just repeat after me. All right, and, and really believe this because it's true, right? All this stuff is true. I am God's masterpiece. Okay, that's a good warm up. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. There you go. I am a new creation. I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am more than a conqueror. I am loved. I am chosen. I'm accepted by the sovereign king of the universe. Amen. That's who you are in Christ. You guys can grab a seat. He also wants to give you a new perspective about where, about where you're going. Uh, understand, if you're a Jesus follower, your long-term, ultimate forever is extremely bright. At the end of Revelation chapter 21, we come to this description where, where John says, hey, here's what it's going to be like one day. And John says, on that day, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I am making everything new. Listen, one day Jesus will make everything new. And on that day, all the junk, all the garbage, all the pain, all the suffering and all the heartache of this falling world will be no more. Yes, one day there will be no more ICU units. There will be no more tear-stained divorce papers. No more broken relationships. No more motionless ultrasounds. There will be no more foreclosure notices. There'll be no more wheelchairs or disabilities, no more loneliness, no more fear, no more insecurity, no more abuse, no more anger, no more violence, no more hatred, no more cancer or any other disease, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more, no more, no more. Those old order of things will have passed away forever. The day is coming. When God's going to put an end to all the garbage, all the stuff, anything that's ever got you down or beaten you down, one day will be no more and everything is going to be new. You see, one of the reasons we celebrate Easter is because it reminds us of our, our guaranteed awesome forever. Jesus came to give you a new position. Enemy to friend. He's come, came to give you a, a new perspective about what you've done, about who you are, about where you're going. And, and you know, this week I, I was thinking, what is the one thing that the resurrection gives us that makes all this newness of life possible? And the answer I came up with was that through the, resurrec- through the resurrection, we get a new, a new power. 
And then, now, now, if you were to talk to people and, and just ask them honestly, how are you doing? And you get past, you know, that answer of, fine, how are you? You'll find that most people would say, in not so many words, they're tired. They're exhausted. They're worn out. I mean, those are the words that most would choose to describe their lives. And our economy reflects that, right? I mean, look at how many hundreds of millions of dollars, right, are spent on coffee and energy drinks, right? I mean, we got Starbucks, we got Red Bull, we got Five Hour Energy, right? We have Monster, we got Rockstar, right? We got Amp. The list is long. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not against those things. Frankly, I really wish a few of you would have drank a few before you came in here this morning, right? I'm just kidding, kind of. Uh, not really. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind them at all. But if we're honest, we would say that we're just trying to get through. You know, do whatever we can to get a little extra energy so that we can power up for the day. But what I know and what you know is that there is no formula they've come up with that gives you the power to forgive the person who's cheated you out of your childhood or out of your marriage or out of your innocence or out of your dreams. They don't have a drink for that. No, there's no energy drink that gives you the power to, 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 to stop drinking or to stop lusting or stop using, to, to stop spending or to stop hating and being so angry and bitter or, or, or to stop being so anxious, worried, and afraid all the time. And there's no energy drink that gives you the power to, to get through uh, the divorce or to get through the unemployment or to get through the cancer or to overcome that abusive past that has severely damaged your self-worth. Understand, this world does not offer that kind of power. But listen, Paul says that because of the resurrection, there's a new power in town. Check out what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Okay, Paul, how great is it? It's the same power that brought Christ back from the dead. Say what? It's the same power that brought Christ back from the dead. In other words, Paul is saying that my prayer for you is not that you would just get through the day. Not that you would just cope with life. That you would just barely survive life but that you would experience the power of the resurrection in your life right now. That your new life would begin, not just when you die and go to heaven, but that your new life would begin right now here in this old world. That it, that your new life would begin now. And listen, it can. Your new life can begin right now because we have a new power. You know, this week I asked my Facebook friends to, to help me understand, to, to get a little better picture what this looks like to have this new power in our lives. So I said to them, please complete the following. Through Jesus, God has given me a new blank. And here are some of the responses that, that, that people put up. God has given me a new mind. He's given me a new beginning. He's giving me a new heart. He's giving me a new hope. He's giving me a new chance. He's giving me a, a new way of thinking. He's given me a new family. He's given me a new freedom. And one lady wrote, he's given me the ability to forgive those who've hurt me even though they refuse to accept it. That's some power right there. 
you know what the number one answer was? He's given me a new life. That's the resurrection. That's Easter. That because Jesus died and he, and he rose again, that the old can be left behind. And that our sins can be forgiven and the new life can begin. Jesus came to make all things new. And today he, he wants to give you, if you need it, a new position. From an object of wrath to his masterpiece, from an enemy to one of his sons and daughters. He wants to give you a new perspective about what you've done, about who you are, and about where you're going. And he wants to give you a new power that makes it all possible. And you know, this week I, I was trying to think of a kind of this image, a kind of picture for you to take home with you in your minds to help you just meditate on this and think through on new a little bit more. Because we only have a few minutes left. Then I realized that God has already come up with the picture. He's already thought of this image. It's baptism. Now, if you're new to the church, baptism can seem kind of strange, right? Like people get into water and, and someone immerses them in water. But listen, baptism is this image of Jesus dying and being buried and then raising a new life. You see, in baptism, a person is saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'm dying to my old life. I'm burying my old life. And by your power, I'm rising to walk in a whole new way of living. That's why Paul said in Romans 6, like we read earlier, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live a new life. You see, every time someone is baptized, it's a celebration of Easter. It's a celebration of new. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to make all things new. And guess what? He is still in the making all things new business today. Amen? Pray with me. God, we thank you for your grace and your love. Lord, there's one thing that is true for every one of us in this room. We've all sinned, and we've all, we've all made a mess of things, broken and busted. But God, there's no reason for any one person to leave here old. We can leave here as new people. So God, my prayer is that in these next few moments that there will be some new marriages, and there will be some new families, there will be some new hope, that there will be some new joy, there will be new peace and, and new purpose and new passion, that there will be new perspective, and that we would live with this new power, God, that, that comes from your Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would know that power, that we would know the power of the resurrection in our life right now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.